Welcome, Theory Talk listeners. Uh, this is Joe. I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what you're going to hear this week. Um, this is a conversation between Joseph Weisman and Taylor Adkins, recorded December 17th, 2016, at Taylor Adkins' place. Uh, the conversation begins talking a little bit about politics and Alexander Hamilton. Um, it goes on to talk about uh, Simone Din and some of the theory work we're doing. Please enjoy. Just about to talk about Alexander Hamilton, uh, as as obscure as that may sound. Um, There's a because reason. he's he's the one that that wrote in his papers about how uh, faithless electors might be necessary, right? The the faithless electors being those who aren't bound by their pledge to the electoral college to vote for the candidate whom they pledged uh, if. You know that candidate won the, the popular vote in that state, right? Which, um, and he basically said that that <clears throat> the electoral college, um, in its compromise between the North and the South, and sort of uh, making sure that the North and the South had equal representation. You know ma- that that compromise, as I said, between slavery and industrial labor. Um, Hamilton foresaw that the populace might choose someone unbefitting of the office. I mean, this is the kind of the first time openly it's been just proclaimed by at least half the nation that you know... Or that foreign powers might try to install a creature of their well, own yes. interests. Oh, well, the Manchurian candidate, maybe he didn't foresee the Manchurian candidate per, per se, but, you know, he foresaw that it's possible that... You know, I just think of Idiocracy. You know the film Idiocracy? Yeah. And I, and I always thought it was kind it's, of cruel and vaguely Darwinian and all these, you know, or like social Darwinian or something. I don't know. Like I, I, but, uh, but yeah, no, there are. Social Darwinism, there you go. Um, that's something, uh, gosh, I feel like it's a topic I haven't broached in a long time. But, I mean, uh, to, to swing it around to Aldous Huxley. Right, since we yes, were, right. I mean, to dismiss idiocracy out of hand. Uh, no, but. I mean, there, idiocracy is the opposite of of um, is the is it's the inverse, not the opposite. Right, it's the inverse of uh, of Brave New World. Right, because in Brave New World, everything's highly technologized, and people are formed in hatcheries and cloned, and um, you know, it that has its own utopic. Possibilities, right? The, it has this, that's that's its own mirror, mirror world, but the the inverse, the other side of the mirror, is idiocracy, right? Where it is, it's still got the loose capitalistic framework, but everything's falling apart. There is no technical oversight. In fact, education is, you know, intelligence has fallen to the least common denominator of the the idiots multiplying, and so they they don't even they can't even. Remember, they don't even understand the technology behind the agrarian way of life. The <laughs> that's right. you know they they because it's all about this food shortage, um, and so it's it's the exact opposite of there is no, it's 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 nothing but gestation. It's nothing but 
mammalian viviparous, right? That dirty, you know, it's nothing but little Oedipal. um, I mean, it's it's an Oedipal, like, multiplication. There's nothing but, like, this this massive un controlled breeding, right? It's as though labor, it's as though biopower fell fell through the the wayside. The state, you know, became so loose, so deterritorialized, one might say, with the Dakota flows of capitalism that it's nothing but um, you know, just this this mass breeding and not taking stock of all the stock of Right, humans. it seems like a Malthusian nightmare. Mm-hmm. Right and and it is it, that's a good, that's a great way to put it right the uh, population explosion not not the numbers don't add up not able to you know unless technology and science you know that's 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 what I mean even Emerson wrote against Malthus uh, Nietzsche did too but right. Emerson Emerson wrote against Malthus uh, I think it's in his his little collected works you know it's um, he has a he has an essay on farming it's just. It's just it's, uh, that's just what it's called. It's just farming, right? Um, and uh, he he takes it up elsewhere, but in, in in that particular, he pretty much basically says that um, that no, that that the definition of art in his as I brought up last time is is modification of nature, right? And as as long as art in the way he conceives it via science, technology, techniques can keep up with. Um, the, the expansion of human numbers, if if and 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 it has. I mean, there there are, you know, genetic. I mean, I, that gets us into different topics, but genetically modified foods and these other things. Um, you know, that's that's proven Malthus wrong, but uh, that's not necessarily the realm within Malthus was conceiving. Right? It's it's interesting, right? The domain he he was not considering was uh, science and its ability to. To sort of exponentiate the the possibilities of feeding these 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 hordes, but there's a truth about this. Just as there's a, like a truth to Lamarck, you know, contra contra Darwin, right? That there is uh, co-adaptation of the the milieu. That's something that Malthus leaves out. He doesn't he doesn't think in terms of. Um, I think what Deleuze and Guattari would call assemblages, right, or just our ability to form assemblages with the associated milieu, because obviously we need an energy source. We need uh, to modify, modulate the the capacities for feeding, you know, and uh, and it, yeah, I mean. Also, I think Malthus is writing right in the wake of uh, the potato famine in Ireland. There's something, right. you know, there's something <laughs> interesting about that, that he, he starts to gripe. Oh, we're not going to be able to feed all these damn Irishmen. We're not going right. to feed all these, we're not going to be able to feed, feed all the unwashed masses. I think there's, that, that's, a, that's maybe an aristocratic kernel, too, to his thought, right? That, that uh, the, all, we're going to have to figure out automated... Because interesting, I mean, like in Britain, at least, you know, it, the unwashed masses masses do the the auto the, they do all the the unskilled labor, but then automation makes them obsolete. We don't really need them. Sure. More food for us. Sure. Then let the let the machines do the work, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think there is something about like the 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 way, like I I don't know. 
like uh, uh, I, I'm I'm just thinking about that that like you know really. I mean, kind of like sad, but like beautiful poem about you know the machines of loving grace and like. Oh, I'm not familiar with this, but it, human, it sounds interesting. Humans and computers living together <laughs> in in happiness. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's one way that that's a that's an optimistic way to conceive it. Um, you know, I, the other the other the, the other side of the Malthus thing, and you know, saying there's too many people, too many mouths to feed. Um, which I said the, the the potato famine, but I was I was thinking um, that oh well see now I now I lost it but I, I brought up the aristocratic uh, kernel because it's it's no longer about feeding uh, all these workers right it's 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 more about I th- I do feel like it's more about the direction of capitalism there's something going on there because his he's still he's still conceiving a, an opposition between an industrial and an agrarian mode and we've seen those two mesh right in a certain way that the agrarian has become as it becomes mechanized and industrialized uh, we see the outgrowth of capitalism itself in like Monsanto right which is the the boogeyman in terms of the possibilities of of mass feeding. Sure. I mean, like, and again, I think I think the part of the thing with Monsanto and like why there's such like ideological anxiety around it is because it like I, it kind of reifies and makes explicit this operation of a, like late capital that like injects a system of administration, even if it's yes, just yes. even if it's just accounting, right? Even if it's not actually manipulating or mutating, but just assigning the. And so, like, you'll, you'll, you know, with the recent extinction crisis and fears around it, right? Like, a lot of the hullabaloo, I, I, I don't know, like, it, it, it's, you know, it's, like, sort of tried to frame in terms of, like, to our capitalist rulers, like, trying to produce an economic argument for the continued viability of the ecosphere in terms of, right. like, the biosphere provides $37 trillion worth of services yes. to humanity every year, you know, just, you know. Well, that's, that's what it comes down to. When it, when it comes down to climate denial or aversion, whatever you want to call it, you, know, you can probably rebrand it in many different ways, um, it comes down to a question of jobs, right? Like, this is why Trump ran on bringing back, you know, coal mining jobs that he can't secure but that he promises because that's 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 the easy that's doesn't even take a thought but that's the easy wink to those on the right or those skeptical about climate change uh that economics is going to come first right america first i mean economics is going to come first before this bullshit about quote-unquote bullshit about global viability um and you know, uh, Planet, planetary, vi- you know, like planetary species viability, 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 species viability yeah. because there is a, there is a, you could, you could, you could say there's a death drive to it, but I don't think it's, it's seems simple. It's, it's, it's more that, um, and this goes back to strategies and tactics that you brought up outside, right? The tactic is jobs. The bottom line, the immediate, the immediate lived experience. I have a job. I can put food on the table, etc. 
the strategy though being the self-preservation of the whole planet right and it's that tension between self-preservation of the family unit of the Oedipal triangulization of capitalistic you know exploitation and whatever versus this loftier more ideal more abstract I uh, understanding that if we make it so it's short and long term right if we make it if we make it potentially you you don't you don't get to like harvest the immediate pleasure of the earth being great the earth's been great the question is if it's going to continue to be great and viable and so this there's no immediate satisfaction in uh, I reduced my carbon and footprint or you know we've 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 moved past these outmoded forms of uh, labor and there's no so there's no immediate satisfaction right it's 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 always a deferral and that is not pleasing to those who I, 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 I wonder about that if only because of sort of just like the mixed temporality of of human individuation and becoming that in other words you're you know an adult human can have a great grandchildren and, yes. and the possibility for that, or its impossibility, right? But like, that, but that doesn't doesn't come back to the difference between what a territory is supposed to be used for, because if a territory is supposed to be for, um, and this is the tension. This is why re-territorialization and deterritorialization aren't bad on the one hand and good on the other. They have they have shared stakes. Deterritorialization has its own dangers, and there's something about not treating the earth the planetary atmospheric milieu as a territory and, and capitalism wants to deterritorialize that and, and wants to sort of understand that there are more worlds to territorialize there are more worlds to inhabit um, and all we need to do is sort of abstractly machine things fast enough you know uh, to sort of break through the wall um, which is where Oedipus kind of leads us but the other side is that what you're talking about is think about your grandchildren. Think about the viability of the not the species, right? The self-preservation on the species or on the, the the individual level. I mean, if you're thinking about the earth as a territory to be replenished and to be forever rejuvenated, there is a sense in which that's a re-territorialization. No, no, no. Right? And, that's, that's and, a, that's and those a, are good words to use here because it's, I mean, with soil erosion, we're talking we maybe have 60 harvests left. So I mean, there there is a kind of realism. Well, you're, that you're going to two registers there, but that's kind of an interesting um, double reading of deterritorialization. Um, not just the erosion, but we know the rising of tides, right? The rising of of sea level, salination. Um, so there is a literal deterritorialization there to go along with the the losing waterian um, Delete, of deleting of cultures and disruption of, of yeah, social Yeah, and the machines. decoding of and, flows, yeah. right? Because, I mean, it's... Because if we think about... And this this also... I mean, to bring in Simon Don, he's, he's trying to negotiate... Towards nice, the, towards nice, nice segue. Well, towards the end of towards the end of the, the the biological physical section, before he brings up the psychic collective directly, he's trying to think this... That the individual is individual, not just because, as I brought up to you earlier, because it's uh, it is a correlate. The death is a correlate of individuality, but that the individual can only be individual by um, its relation to a collective, 
and without this collective, it neither has reproductive capability to be hereditary substance, as um, one of the guys he cites claims, and it also uh, doesn't have a means of creating an information regime, and a, a system of, of interchange um, of, of information that there's... It's, 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 it's a more complicated way of saying what John Donne said in the 16th century, that no man is an island, right? No individual is an island, right? There's something paradoxical in that because individual is, is that which cannot be divided further. Um, and yet the trans individual is already even on, on all forms of life. Now, this is, the, this is the thing, though. I mean, because when he talks about the collective, he's talking about biological life. Now, he doesn't bring this up, and it, and, but he hints at it, and, he's, and he, you can see he's thinking about it. But the thing that he wants to, one of the ways he wants to distinguish between the vital and the physical, physical, the purely physical, like the crystal, which comes closest to the vital in his paradigm of thinking, because the crystal can continue to individuate. Right. Um, but there's some weird things, right? Like if the crystal is is sort of smashed on one side, and you put it back into what is what's called its mother liquor, which is the way of describing the substrate, the, the solution, solution yeah. that allows it to continue to grow. It's not going to favor the one side that was amputated. That was well, you can't even call it amputation, but it, that it was, um, so to speak, sectioned off. That was the words he uses: is shock. Right, it's a it's a striking. You can you can break off a part of a crystal and you put it back in, and, and it will continue to grow indefinitely. But it won't favor that one section that was that was damaged, that was broken. Um, the vital is different, right? And he's now goes, like riven with tiny cracks, right? Yeah. yeah. Babe, can I get a sig? Oh, yeah. Like the, for example, one of the words he uses, and yeah, uh, and a. And the ashtray, please. Yeah. The one of the let's get in. Let's get into the weeds here. This is so. A, so hey, hey yeah. Before we get too much deeper, let me just get a few words in here that I can, I can, I can use to talk about the the show and to introduce ourselves. This is uh, theory talk with uh, Taylor Adkins and Joseph Weissman, and um, we're we're your we're your, you know tour guides, and um, you know we're very uh, very excited about you know talking to you about the you know some of the some of the some of the gaps in the in the world today the and, gaps the intricacies yeah and how to how to deepen the gaps between <laughs> work and play is like something i think about this is this is something that andrew culp talks about a little bit but um he's he's got a, a pod that i i really like called inter interregnum that's um that, that talks about that, like deepening deepening the gaps between. And so maybe you're listening to this on the on the way to work, and it's maybe an opportunity to think, you know, think think about that pa- that passage that that crossover between life and 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 the un- unlife, the death of of or organized organized work, the, or, or, or organ- all all oral organized human effort. Um, <laughs> So uh, we we had a little prequel episode uh, about the pointlessness of the universe, and um, today we're kind of talking about different like halting problems, different like terminal end states of human societies, and we were talking about Malthus and population crashes and 
kind of talking about individuals and their their development and I don't know. Uh, so our our agenda is roughly to talk about Simone Den and then hopefully some Laruel and then maybe some more Brave New World stuff. You've got you've got a bunch of thoughts about that that I I want to want to yeah bug you about. But um uh yeah. So we were we were kind of going already a little bit on on Simone Den. But um, do you want to maybe give us a little more context? Like, so the book we're talking about is uh, the uh, well, indi- the individuals in there. It's called uh, so. So Simon Don wrote two uh, as as the French way. He wrote two dissertations. Interesting, right? Oh, well, technically, one is the dissertation. One is the the one that he defends, and that is his main. And then there's a secondary. The secondary was actually published first, and we know it as on the mode of technical objects. So is is this the same for Deleuze? Like difference repetition and logic of sense, or both? No, logic of sense. It would have been. Um, his Spinoza book on expressionism. Oh wow! Is his secondary. His his primary thesis is difference of repetition. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he wrote Logic of Sense the next year. He had obviously already been writing like like Derrida, Deleuze, and Derrida. Kind of they they just taking the two of them from the years sixty seven to sixty nine. You're gonna have like thousands of pages. I mean, they the, what they published in the in that little. Uh, but well, sixty seven Derrida published three books. Um, you know, Deleuze publishes Different Repetition in sixty eight, Logic of Sense sixty nine, the Expressionism book in sixty eight. So you got you've got a lot going on. But um, Simon Don, so on the mode of technical objects, which is where he deals. I mean, he he deals with. Is this on the mode of existence of technical objects? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, that's his secondary, and he publishes that first. And then in um, in 58, he publishes... Now, the way it happens is... He publishes a dissertation, he defends it, and it was broken up and published in two different parts. The first part was on the... Uh, was It's called... Not on the moon. It's called um, the, the Individual and Its Physico-Biological Genesis. Um... That w- that 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 was broken off into one book, and um, I don't know who came up with the name. I guess maybe he named it when he when he was told they were going to break it up. The second the second book wasn't fully published until eighty nine. Wow, so almost thirty years later, and I don't know if he tried to get it out. I don't know. As, as far as I know, that's when it was published. It, it was not published until later, and it was it's called Psychic and Collective Individuation. It was published uh, by OVA. Um, Francois Laruelle ran the collection under which it was published. He writes a short note um, about it that Jacques Garelli wrote in his preface to the work that I translated. Um, the editors... No, not the editors. Actually... And you look at the book that I have, it's called um, Individuation in Light of the Notions of Information and Form. Wow. That's a mouthful. So that's what his, that's what his, that's what his dissertation was called, and it was, it was all of a piece. So uh, you start with the physical individual. You start with the brick meeting you know the clay put into the mold and the forces of the, 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 the walls of the mold meeting the clay and forming this brick. Right? You start with that... Um, which is up on fractal, which is in it's 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 a terrible translation, but it's fine. I mean, you know, it's it's not like we're dealing with 
he's not he's not speaking in a philosophical jargon. He's speaking, you know, on the level of a of a of a physicist. Um, and you go from that to the to the crystal, right? That's the physical part, right? From the brick to the crystal, because the crystal has its own milieu that's associated. That's not a form of technical labor, although it can be. I mean, crystals can be manufactured. Manufactured, yeah. Um, and then it goes to the biological section, and that's where my book ends, right? Because it ends, it ends with the first half of the biological section. Because because he in the biological section he. He goes from dealing with really what he's what he's really focusing on in on are these little things called calenterates and they live in the water and they're like um, they're like jellyfish these oh, wow. finite form of jellyfish or these starfish or these uh, protozoan yeah, yeah. things uh, sponges um, and he's dealing with how these individuals so to speak they butt off and they form mirror individuals that that help to form a colony that he considers, depending on the differentiation between information regimes, uh, the one with the most information is the individual. So a whole colony of little individuals, because all these buds can break off and form new colonies. So the colony is, is the society yeah. for, for mammals in this. So he's, he's looking at all this stuff. Um, but, what, but what's interesting, dude, when they published, okay, so when they published the book that I'm translating, they took out a lot of parts. They took out about 50 pages of him dealing with uh, photons and electrons. He's dealing with the individuality of the photon in relation to the, the wave phenomenon. And he's dealing, with, he's dealing with Bohr, and he's dealing with Heisenberg, uh, and he's dealing yeah, with yeah. what happens with an electron when it strikes the surface, and these other electrons come off. I mean, like he's, 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 thinking, he's thinking of the wave corpuscle duality, and he's trying to think individuality individuation in terms of this he's going so he goes from the brick to the crystal to the wave uh photon yeah yeah, duality particle yeah yeah uh he's thinking through complementarity he's thinking through undecidability he's thinking through einstein's he's he's always what do you mean undecidability that's interesting to me well well he's thinking through heisenbergian i see undecidability about the the electron, sure. Right? The, it's what its position and its speed or its spin. Un, un, it's uncertainty. Well, uh, um, he there maybe there's probably multiple. It's there's, there's actually several things there, really, and, I, and they're easy. And I it's I, called the uncertainty principle, right? But um, in uh, Gorelli, uh, actually, it wasn't Gorelli. It was someone I was reading about who 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 talks about in Heisenberg's original paper. The first word he re- he uses is. Uh, undecidable. Uh, undecidable. But, yeah, the yeah. Way, but the last word he uses is uncertainty, and uncertainty became associated with it. But he, 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 he's talking. But he's talking about the the same thing. I mean, it's if you fetishize a, a word in translation, you might you might miss that. that no, no, no. That, that's a, that, such a good point. That, that a term isn't being concretized at the moment, but is being used to generalize a principle. And he's so he's thinking quantum. So he's, he's what what he's trying to do here though is between the continuous and the discontinuous. So he's trying to think the the photon uh, wave dualism in terms of the photon is discrete, discontinuous. The the wave is concrete, continuous. Yeah. Uh, and so there's oh, 
So so we try so in in many ways and this is what got caught out cut out of the the first publication the one that Larwell had something to do because that, no, no, that, that no, was that's, actually that's the 80s thing. that's the 80s There's, okay that's no, interesting no, the, his fifth so the part that I actually translated was just the only part that was published uh, it got it got cut up so stuff that got taken out was they they thought oh well this stuff about quantum mechanics meeting uh, the theory of relativity that no one wants to read about that Goofy. so they so they cut it out um, and they and they split up his his first dissertation from the psychic and collective because there's a note in the very front of the volume that I the French volume which is huge and it's not just his dissertation it's some other works uh, his daughter Natalie wrote a note saying that this has the whole version and it's unlike these other two versions, which wrongly split apart the psychic collective. Yeah. Because the psychic collective, uh, which is its own book, which was published as its own book in 89, is not its own chapter. There are two chapters. There's the chapter on physical individuation, and there's a chapter... And, and when I say chapter, I mean, these are parts. There's two parts, if you want to say. The first part is 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 the phys- physical individuation, right? Which, uh, which, as I said, they cut out... 50% of it because they cut out his dealing with... He deals with this French um, physicist named Louis de Broglie mm-hmm. and I think Deleuze talks about him a little bit but, I mean, uh, Simon Dunn talks about him a lot and... It's about waves? Yeah. It's about... Because Louis de Broglie uh, is trying to think through this fruitful mesh, obviously, between quantum mechanics and theory of relativity which is, you know, it's it's like one of the big goals of science um physics is to kind of make these communicate and make a desperation out of them when it's not been fruitful um at least even till now i mean there's it's still a fascination but he so he's dealing with this guy and anyway so that's that's where he go that's where he goes after the after the brick and the and the crystal he's going to the photon to look for what is an individual what is a corpuscle right what do we mean by corpuscle when we talk about you know, and um, we talk about particles. Mm-hmm. And uh, that got cut out. And Natalie Simondon, his daughter, said that um, the second part of it, which is really the part about the the vital individuation, the biological individuation, that got cut up. And so the psychic collective is actually chapter two of part two. And the book I'm publishing is part one and chapter one of. <laughs> right, so it's it's fucked up. It's totally so it's been mangled. But oh I mean, my goodness! And 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 the press that's doing it, they're they're do, they're going to continue the mangling because um, I'm not in charge of the second well, quarter. Right. It's already been yeah, done, we, so do I can't do anything about that. But that that's that's not what matters. What matters is um, he doesn't feel like there should be a hierarchy either in time. Or in complexity, um, I mean complexity. I, maybe I'm using the wrong word. He doesn't think there's a hierarchy in time between physical individuation and biological, vital individuation, and then psychical. He doesn't think that like first you have the physical individuation and the physical parts do their thing, and then the vital kind of uh, happens like, next. And then like kind the of psycho- a retrocausality or some kind mm-hmm. of reciprocal. No, 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 not a, not a cause. It's not about causality. When I say hierarchy, I'm not talking about causality. What I'm saying is, when he before he gets into fully into the psychic and collective individuation, and he's still talking about vital individuation after going through book one, 
he makes this point that the biological individuation doesn't happen after the cycle. If we consider the living being, it's not like first you have the physical individuations and they do their thing, and then you have the biological. He's like, no, you have to think them both at the same time. You have to think them... Um, to give an example, there is a there is. I think the reason why Simon Don is so beloved by Deleuze is there is a Spinozism in um, in Simon Don, and what I mean by that is that there is a mirroring chain of attributes, thought and being, or thought and substance, and they follow the same causalities without affecting one another. So when we think ontogenesis... Right, an independent order of reasons that happens to coincide. Right? When we think ontogenesis, when we think the individuation of beings, we have to also parallel be thinking and understanding the individuation of thought. Right. That the two follow uh, parallel chains. Now, the problem with Spinoza, and he takes this up directly is that Spinoza comes down to it that there's only one substance, and that substance is called God, or we can call it nature. Whatever it is, and, and, and thought and extension, thought and being, whatever you want to call it, uh, are only, they're, they're, just, they're just two of the attributes of this big substance. They're the two attributes that we can, that we can perceive or have a, any sort of communication with. And so there's really, as... Um, he breaks down. There's really only one individual. And, you know, and then he he says that's, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Not a, that can't work if we're thinking individuation. If we're thinking individuation, then we can't imagine. We Spinoza still inherits the hylomorphism of Descartes. He's still thinking in terms of... of, of a form and a matter, and that that they would be expressions of a substance, of one substance, of the individual. Nature, naturing nature, would be one individual. And he breaks down how that's not possible. But he also, and this is very fruitful for Deleuze readers, breaks down why monadism, Leibniz, doesn't work either. Because... Doesn't work as a, like... As a category for understanding individuation. Because monads contain within themselves the essence of their, of uh, uh, the individual's essence. The principle of individuation is contained in the monad, whereas for him, uh, the principle of individuation has to come before the individual. You can't have an individual first and look back. You have to... Like a canadus that precedes me? Right. That... He, he would say for as many... Um, regimes of information. There's as many principles of individuation, so there's really not just one principle of individuation. There's a crystalline there's, principle and an animalistic and a vegetal and yeah, a, you, co- a cosmic principle. You can't, you, and, can't, you can't go back from the individual to individuation because individ, the individual doesn't explain individuation. Individuation explains individuals and, cool. and, and, and that line. So, but to get back to my point, there's no hierarchy uh, that, that, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that if you think about it, I mean, when we have life, as Deleuze Guattari say, it just, it just sort of explodes, right? It explodes on the scene. It's, it's a sort of consequence without premises in a certain way. Um, and when we talk about the, the very primordial forms of life, bacteria, amoeba, um, 
we can't think in a separate anterior, either logically or temporally, framework. Uh, Near physics going on, when we talk about a a unicellular organism that is dividing and reproducing asexually, we have to think the physics and the vitals of the cell in its life and its substrate of physicality undergoing individuation at the same time even if even well, if they are parallel even if they are sure. even if they're understood parallel and that's why I mean, are we talking about like multiple speeds for different organelles and maybe different principles of individuation for different kinds of organic if we got into that though we would have to get into maturation the difference between the difference between a newborn uh, a mature what he calls a mature individual and the old for him the mature individual the one capable of reproducing, uh, and uh, its key characteristic is that it is integrated into a society, that it is integrated into either a society or a colony, or what he calls the collective. That's the generic term for all the forms of life. Um, that the mature individual exchanges information in a way that makes them part of and makes them belong to a collective, whereas the young and the old are on either extremes. Um, now, I feel like there is a little bit... Uh, way he says it is a little cursory and absolute. I do feel like, obviously, the young and the old still... Participate in social participate. reproduction. Yeah, yeah right. Well, uh, in social reproduction. But, I mean, what he means to say, and he goes... And I, I brought this up to you, where he... This is why I called you about the concept of amortization... Yeah, that he discusses and where he says that. So, I I think that um, this the reason why the mature individual is the one that 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 exchanges the most fully in its regime of information with the collective is that it's about metastable equilibrium. That the young and the old would still be uh, under the the old would have already sort of exhausted its. Metabol- it's, it's, it's metastable states, whereas the young is only starting to gather them. And they are on the verge, on either verge, on either edge of metastability, whereas the mature individual is functioning, co-functioning, collaborating with a, met- a metastable equilibrium within it and without it. And that it's that metastability that for him is key to understanding individuation because if you stick to the level of stable equilibrium, you cannot understand the potentials in a system, right? This is this is what it comes down to. Um, and you have to have potentials in the system to have a desperation, to have a to have to have problems posed by life and to the individual, not only from the outside, but in their interior developments be solved in the desperation of that metastability. So um, so what it comes down to, right, is this is why he brings up death and says that um, the only truly exhausted system of its potentials in a stable equilibrium would be death. And he says death is not a solution of any problem, right? So there's something really beautiful about the way he says it, but death would be the end of the individual's not just becoming and being, but it's 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 ability to uh, resolve problems through problematics of 
you know, desperation, energetic exchange, etc. And I mean, would you say like it ends in, in, in individuals' problems without like necessarily resolving them, and like without this is this is the thing about accounting is just that you know like I get I get a a grant of sort of structured anti-entropy right structured mm-hmm. energetic materials from the biosphere right that's like coextensive with my individuation right mm-hmm. and you know when i die it's like i mean i guess eventually it all gets reintegrated but it's like you know that species has lost a whole lot of complexity and energy at least maybe not percentage wise but it's like you know you don't we, there's there's a, there's a kind of there's an interesting um argument to the absurdum that Simonon does where he says, oh, it's a good thing that beings, that individuals aren't eternal. Right? He says, yeah. Because really would be locked up forever, this, I guess. This yeah. is, this is, and this is a Spinoza's way of doing it. Spinoza's like, ah, here's how things have to be and if they're not, here's my scolium. If they're not, look at how absurd it is. I mean, this is, this is what he's doing. He's, 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 he's it's a where he says to prove by contradiction. If individual were eternal, and there were a change in the milieu that they were associated with, that they symbiotically or um, not even that symbiotically, but that but that they are in, in communication with, then there would be no cor- there would be no self correction course for the species. Right. No, no, no. I see. I see the threads of the proof by contradiction. Right. Like yes. if if individuals had, you know, an infinite. In like you know, eternal lifespan that implies that their individuating capacity, their capacity to I guess trans individuate and find new metastable equilibria, you take advantage of the appearance of new singularities in their ecosystem, right? Yeah. Without it becoming a black hole for them and destroying them, right? They would have to have an infinite plasticity and capability of individuating to accommodate for any singularity. Yes. And, and, it's, and presumably there's some, there is some filter we can construct beyond which no one, you know, no species could possibly, and it, it, even if that's just heat death of the universe kind of thing. But right? I, I do but, think that the, 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 the way he, um, he tries to think the individual here with these arguments non-dialectically. I brought up Darwin and Lamarck. I mean, like, for Simon Don, this way of stating... Oh, it's a good thing individuals weren't eternal, right? Because he's what he's talking about here is is adaptation, and he's trying to say that adaptation doesn't explain individuation and doesn't exhaust it. Um, he makes this paradoxical claim almost that adaptation makes individuation possible, but doesn't found it. It's 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 what he means by that is Lamarck had the merit of understanding that the milieu left a sort of indelible mark on the individual and that it's 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 that where amortization comes in that the little installments of death planted into the vital organism allow it allow for it in its reproductive capacity to retraces the function like a a countdown for program cell death because in its communication with the associated milieus it's actually also having a much a much larger order of magnitude of communication with the collective, with the species. And that's mm. how its own inherent death drive, because he does talk about Freud and death drive and life drive, is implanted and why it's implanted into it, because, and this is what's Lamarckian about it, is because the individual 
the, okay, the individual is nothing outside of its collective, but it's also nothing outside of its uh, outside of its milieus. Now, if you make it eternal, you don't take it outside of its collective, but in a certain way, you take it outside of its its milieus, and you and you and you freeze the dynamism, the exchange of potential energies that's going on in the information exchange. So for him, he's thinking adaptation. Um, in terms of energy, or uh, energy and information exchanges, right? That's what adaptation is, and it's doing, and that's why Lamarck has as a sort of there's a merit to him, even if he's even if he's wrong about the transfer of genetic material, he's not necessarily wrong about the importance of that transfer and its randomness to provide for measures whereby the um, the milieu is being communicated with right so so this is how he understands the Darwin um, modified by Lamarck right that yes there is a sort of random um, bequeathing of genetic material but that is a necessary consequence of the Continual ongoing remodulation of individuals in their species in relation to the milieus that support them. So, um, so I, I mean, I guess I want to pose this thing about like the infinite. I want to turn back to this thing about infinite malleability. Yeah. As a as a like a concomitant of this potential immortality, because it's like there is this thing of like certain species are, for all intents and purposes, fu- functionally immortal. Right, like if you yes, if you do if you don't bathe them in acid or whatever. Well, right? just as like, the colony is, this is why he thinks the colony different. Right, the colony is able to survive. Sh- sure, and that, I mean, I think a lot of these the species that are like this are kind of like pseudo colonies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right, like um, sort of ri- quasi rhizomes, right, can grow back from fragments and all that stuff, right. Um, but I, I, I guess I, I'm sort of curious about like. I mean, it seems it seems like metastability on the one hand is talking about, you know, like you're saying this 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 prime of life when you're very fully individuated, right? But at the on the other hand, it's sort of talking about the infinite malleability of life and its ability to accommodate, you know, not just modulations but again introduction of new dimensions Mm -hmm. in in, into the sort of already rich interactive info space. Right, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, you, you know, maybe to to turn this back to like things about predictability, decidability, right? Like, I mean, I think metastability kind of implicitly has this future orientation and kind of this goofy retrocausality. I'm not sure good words to talk about this temporal mode, right? But like that, it's it's sort of it's tr- it's trying to handle the unpredictability of like you know the individual's physical reality and the you know whatever the the filters on the survival of the species that they're fi- and i right. mean i guess maybe this that kind of brings it back right like that like, reduces the infinite the infinity of the malleability you're talking about this i mean and, and i think what you're describing uh in a post hylomorphic way is 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 a sort of dynamism to the hylomorphic schema now i think that you're right in terms of vital 
possibilities in life as a whole. Yes, infinite malleability. But then what's interesting is, right, I mean, before he goes to the crystal, which is a sort of natural physical modulation, he looks at the brick, and it's a technical modulation. And what he says is that the mold, considered as a form abstractly, applied to the, uh, applying its force equally, equidistantly to the clay in order to make the perfect brick. Isometrically. What's interesting is now you have to start thinking about the materiality of the form because different materialities of the form um, make different bricks. For example, if the form of the mold is made of cast iron, when the clay is made into a paste and ploughed into it or whatever, and the form allows the the clay to adhere in its equidistant translation of energies, the form, the material of the form, the iron cast is not going to displace much. But if you go down to certain types of wood, at first there'll be a, a noticeable displacement, but then there will be a relaxation of that displacement. So the mold as a form considered hylomorphically, like considered abstractly, needs to be plastic, but it can't be so plastic, right? There has to be a, uh, there has to be an equal reaction, because if the form of the mold in which the clay is put is too plastic, then you won't get a brick, right? You won't uh, the for, the the materiality of the form of the walls of the mold will displace too much to allow for the proper dissemination and translation of energetic forces to make. A form, so information will be lost in a certain interesting sense. Too much, there'll be too much information lost in a form that's too plastic. Now, I'm 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 not discrediting what you're saying, but I think that, that it's interesting to think that when we talk about technical operations and modulations, the infinite malleability goes out the window. In fact, it becomes a you know it becomes a uh, a viable not a viability, but a um, a liability. It's it's funny because right? does that make sense? Like I, no, no, but it, it. I mean, it does not also. And I mean, like I, I was going to make this point about like that. You know, the difference between sort of bio and cultural evolution is that you know cultural evolution has a this informatic structure that lets it accumulate at a much faster rate, mm-hmm. and you know, like. I don't know, technology's only accelerated that dimension in terms of just, like, building unpredictable sequences of material operations and, you know, discovering their possibilities for geoengineering, for instance. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, that could give us, like, real sort of singleton-level guarantees about, like, you know, on, only an alien force could really disrupt our <laughs> harmony and so on, right? Like, right, Um and I guess I guess all I, my only point was making that the, that in the technical operation, um, infinite variation, as Deleuze and Guattari talk about it, is isn't the it's not the goal, at least not yet. Now it's possible science fiction, but in terms of if we want to make a brick, we want this brick to be like every other brick. And so what 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 Simon Don to get back to it uh, thinks is that. The technical operation as an application of form to matter in a hylomorphic schema, it ignores the what he calls the hexaities of matter. It ignores the singularities. Is is he doesn't equi- equivalent make them both equivalent, but 
you know, Hexady, as Dunscotus talks about, is right. It's it's the thisness. It's it's the it's the this right here. The this 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 very quality right in front of me. Not this general quality. This particular quality, right? That's that's a Hexady. It's a thisness. Uh, and so for the example he gives is uh, going from clay from the bricks to the sawmill, taking different trees and their different porosities uh, and their different means of usage. Such thing, the, un- the unworked uh, wood. Right? They had the unworked wood. They have different singularities. Now, if you um, and you can cut the you can cut the wood perpendicular or parallel to the to the fibers of the wood, and you'll get you'll get different results. Um, if you if you take it to a so so what he says is if you take it to a if you take it to a saw or if you take it to a lathe, you're going to ignore the inherent singularities of the wood through the sort of mindlessness of the technical process. Now you take someone who whittles with a with a hand knife. They can work around the knots in the wood. They can they can observe and incorporate the singularities of the wood of its own individuation. And so, what he then says is that in that sense there are there is a sort of in, there there is a there is a disparation between extrinsic forms and intrinsic forms, right? So lathes and saws and sawmills ignore the intrinsic forms of the wood in order to produce the extrinsic forms of the plank or the board or the mass uh, produced um, apparatus whereas the woodworker is working with this hex 80 this very log of wood right and there's an interesting um, sort of mythological legendary story he brings up which is um, are you familiar with Archimedes and his uh, task for um, particular, I forget his name. He's, he's a particular tyrant, and the tyrant was worried that the goldsmith was. Make, he was the gold. So the the tyrant was gave the goldsmith a task: make me a make me a gold crown. And he hired Archimedes to make sure that the crown that he got was legitimate. Yeah. Was legitimate. Was 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 this particular gold and not mixed with other silver. Right, and, and this is where Simon Don gets political, and he only gets political a few times in this book, but this is where he gets political, where he says, for the proprietor of a forest, for someone who oversees the land he owns and sees the trees in the forest, they have a much, a much very different relation to matter and form than the artisan who works that wood than the one who works on this very wood because um, and he, he breaks it down to this that the one who execute, executes the orders save the um, you think of the Egyptians who built the pyramids the ones who were executing the orders of building the pyramid brick by brick from the limestone they have a they have a you know they have a much more abstract, a much different relation to the form and the matter than the slaves who, who built it, who moved. Not just the slaves who built it brick by brick, but the yeah, but the, like the, the state, architects who, who right. cut out the bricks, right? I mean, for the them, state engineers and geometers, exactly. I mean, that's that's a well. The, depends on the 
I think if, if you're still talking about the engineer and the geometers who are giving the orders of working with the matter and not working with the matter themselves, then I think that's still on the part of the... So he breaks it down between those who give orders and those who carry them out in terms of understanding the hylomorphic schema. It's, it's fa- I just the, the, the perspective is so like... And I mean, I, th- I think I get why Deleuze at least partially likes it is this interesting superposition of like an ideal informatic thing, but like it's imminent, right? Like the, the pyramids are informational structures, but they're not like signs. It is more like this trace of, of, a, of, a, of a passing beyond, right? Like there almost is, I don't know, there's something fascinating about, I don't know, like the, the, the grave here. And, and I, you know, I, I kind of wonder about like, what do you mean I don't know, the like, grave? Well, I guess just the ham- some Hamlet questions about like I, I, I feel like the, the you know the these political questions about the you know who gets who gets to decide what kind of information and to what extent they're paying attention to local singularities hmm. and so on mm-hmm. and that I, I I don't know there's there's like there's an existential question about like I think the meaning of the individual and and, and I, I don't know that like someone seems like uniquely poised to answer and like seems like. Mm-hmm. Especially around psychic individuation, seems to be like some of the lines Deleuze is picking up. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I, 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 I kind of reflect on this sometimes about like the sort of the kindness of Deleuze and Guattari when they're when they're sort of thinking about like in the autonomous experience of life of the individual and how it shouldn't be overloaded and overridden with all these alien information schema that sort of only discover and interpret what they they had in mind already and don't sort of take it into account the kind of the moods and seasons and, and you know, again, the, the sort of full, rich experience and vibrancy of life of, of everyone, right? Um, and I don't know, there's something about, and maybe this is a segue to Laurel and we can sort of maybe take this as a moment, take a break and, and th- think about things. But, um, but I think about that with Laurel too, about like how there's this kind of this superposition of different perspectives that allows radical eminence to also be this kind of an, a new way to respect like an autonomous experience of life, right? Like that lines up with schizoanalysis kind of in important ways and, you know, kind of, again, opens the way towards like a a kind of utopian internationalist kind of politics that like, that nevertheless doesn't steamroll individual singularities and is kind of does have this deep abiding respect for, and this, and maybe these are my, some, some sketches of my curiosities about what a Laruelian politics is and, is it really the radical socialism that Kalatsova wants us, us to believe it is and so on? Because it doesn't feel like Larwell's saying that, but I, I haven't read that Marx's works as carefully, so I don't know. Um, so those are some, some thoughts maybe we'll get into, into later. Uh, but that's... Thanks, everyone, for listening to Theory Talk with Joseph Weissman and Taylor Atkins. Uh, please join us next week for more about uh, Francois Laruelle.